episode 133 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. My name is Jason Miller. I am a career CFI and I run the Finer Points channel. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today we are talking with my good friend, Jason Miller. Jason Miller runs Learn the Finer Points. You can find him on Instagram, on YouTube, his website. We're just having a catch up. We have had Jason on the podcast before. It was probably a year, maybe two years ago now. So this is just a, hey, what's going on in Jason's life and what has he been doing as a flight instructor since the beginning of coronavirus? Why he decided to have all those live streams and the value that he got out of those and if they will ever come back. We also talk about some things that he's working on, some huge things. He just recently announced his new app called Ground School, which revolutionizes the way you learn about aviation. It's machine learning. It learns how you learn to make it great for you and individualized for you. Now we have a fun giveaway going on with Jason and Learn the Finer Points. You have the opportunity to win a free subscription to Ground School. That's $400 value, a four flight pro subscription and a four flight century. Now all you have to do and enter is go to learnthefinerpoints.com. The link will be in this description below. It'll also be on my Instagram page. And all you have to do is complete their survey. Their survey is only 11 questions. It'll take you five minutes maximum to finish the survey and you are automatically entered to win what I just said before. It's a it's a great deal. I mean, I'm going to enter. I mean, I wish I could enter, I should say, because I want to win all those as well. But Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The Ground School app is revolutionizing the way people will learn and Jason's plans are amazing for it. And it's also just fun to catch up with Jason and see what he's doing and what's new with his life and how coronavirus has affected him and his flying and what's going on in his life. So I appreciate you listening today. If you do like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram at pilot the pilot where I'm now doing daily reels. What's a reel? Well, I guess it's Instagram's version of TikTok, but it is, it's fun. I'm just doing a quick 15 second video. So check me out there. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram. You do not want to miss those. I'm also releasing some baby shark merch on our website shoppilotthepilot.com and we're probably gonna be getting new hats here soon shortly and also some winter swag might be in the works as well so check that out you can also check us out on patreon patreon.com slash pilot the pilot so i've talked way too much already as it is so without any further ado here's my good buddy jason miller jason what is going on welcome back to the pilot the pilot podcast hey justin thanks for having me man great to be here. I know. It's awesome, man. It's, I think the last time we talked was uh, live streams. We did two of those the last couple of uh, months, you know, the quarantine months. And then we record our podcast probably almost two years ago now, right? Is it? Has it really been that long? I think wow. it's been that long. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I have to stop measuring time. I'm just, you know, it's all happening so fast. It still feels like March 2020 to me. I feel, I still feel like we're stuck in that initial quarantine month where it just seemed like it was never going to end. Yeah, it's a little bit like Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Just, and I, I can't believe it's still going on. Yeah. I mean, halfway through August here. It's crazy. But you know, honestly, like where I am, people are just slowly, I don't know, like ignoring it or something, like getting back to business as usual. So you wear a mask in the airplane, you wipe off your hands more. <laughs> yeah, wash <laughs> you know, your hands but, like, more. 
I would agree. It yeah, kind of seems like uh, people still want to have that normal life, uh, life that they can or as normal as they possibly can. And maybe they don't have as much concern about the virus as they did before, which I mean, good or bad, like this is not the podcast for that. Just kind of stating the facts of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's so, so it's in a way it feels like March, but yeah, it's like everyone gets sick skin about it. Um, and it's honestly great to be flying. I mean, I've been doing a lot of solo flying lately, just sort of, you know, for the YouTube channel and, and uh, for this app that we've got in the market and I can talk about later, but I've just been doing a lot of flying with cameras in the left seat, me in the right seat, and just sort of punting the whole issue. <laughs> you know, it's safe to be teaching. What's it been like flying by yourself? Obviously, you said earlier, your career CFI, so every single flight you've probably done has kind of been like, well, let me put a student here so I can make some money. And now you're going back up and going by yourself. Was it, is it fun to go by yourself or do you kind of feel like you're out of your element a little bit because you're not like necessarily teaching? Yeah, man, that's a really awesome question. It's a little bit of both um, because, so I joke, I have this, <laughs> I have this really complicated camera rig um, because I'm, I'm really passionate about sight pictures. So I try to position the cameras exactly right. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing that. Like sometimes on the YouTube channel, the final points, you'll see something just hanging from the ceiling. I right? would like, that's only because I have a student sitting there and I don't want to distract anybody. I just stick it on the ceiling and forget about it. But when I go out alone, it's like, <clears throat> it's this hole. We take out the pilot seat. There's four cameras, one focus forward, one focus left, one focus on me, one focus on the channel. Um, very, very specific shots. And I joke sometimes on Instagram, I hold it up and say like, Hey, this is my best student, Jimmy Bobby. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, it's not like to your point, it's fun to fly alone. I get to fly, but so much of what I've worked on in my career is really understanding people and like how people learn and how people think. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of waiting. Like, so I often wait and, and, a, and a student will do something or say something or lead us in a certain direction. And I play off that a lot. I'll see where the student goes and then I'll modify my approach to kind of, you know, supplement it or correct it or reinforce it or whatever. And there's just none of that when I've got cameras on a pole. Yeah, it's just yeah. you and a bunch of thousands of people waiting to watch it in like a month or so. <laughs> yeah, so it's right. So it's a little, I mean, it's fun and, and I enjoy talking <laughs> so you know it's it, it's cool and and i uh but it's a, it's it's a little bit like performing and you know on some level trying to you know take all of these things that i've learned over 20 years and package it up into something that sounds good and makes sense or whatever and that's that's a little bit different than being with a lot what's more exhausting because i imagine that like you said you're kind of putting on a, a role almost like you're you're performing in front of the cameras for for future videos whether it's patreon youtube instagram whatever you're creating for do you find it more exhausting to have those flights? Like, can you do more single pilot flights in that kind of uh, environment? Or could you, or would you prefer, or would you rather have like six students a day and knock it all out? You know, I think it's less exhausting <clears throat> to be with real students um, on some level. There's a lot of like watching. Uh, I think I've learned as an instructor over the years to, like, you know, like I was just saying, just sort of like wait a minute and, and just not, and don't, Hey, you know, just don't talk so much. Don't put so much in. Just observe for a while. Make notes. Understand how people think about things. And I'll, I'll start to strategize in my mind before I actually say anything. So there's just a lot of time where I'm sitting there watching people find. Um, whereas when I'm doing the production stuff, 
I mean, I mean, first of all, just to like show up at the airplane and get the seat, get the pilot seat out of there and get the pole rigged up and get everything done. I mean, sometimes that takes an hour to do. And I'll like, I'll go have breakfast after that and just try to reset my mind, you know, because I can't just jump in the plane and go, you know, regurgitate something after, after all that. So I was about to say, you guys set up the plane and you're like, all right, that's, that's for the day. I think we'll go. That was a, that was a good day. <laughs> do this tomorrow. <laughs> Honestly, dude. There have been days like that where I'm sitting there breaking a sweat and I haven't even done anything yet. That's so funny. It's hard. I mean, you got to get in a completely different mindset to get into that that world and to start creating and, like you said, to perform. Like right now, like talking to you, recording, it's like it's it's almost like our performance, you know. And, and it is draining and it can be exhausting too, but it's also fun. And I know that you're not complaining because you've been giving such a great platform and you, and you love to do it. Oh yeah, man. I'm not complaining at all. In fact, I just have learned, I think to, um, do it regularly. So I go every week now, like I have my morning where I like go out and I do the filming and I figure I'll get what I get. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And I think that takes a lot of the pressure off. So I just, it's like taking vitamins. I just go out every week and teach the camera. And now that I'm doing that, I don't figure I'll stop. You know, I think I'll just mix that in with, actual lessons, other stuff that I do. I think that works into like a student too, even uh, podcasting or if someone wants to create, find something that works with your schedule and make it happen over and over again. Find a routine that works for you. Uh, whether you're flying one day a week, two days a week, like three days a week, just find your routine and stick to it. Because once you break that routine, for me, if I don't record podcasts, so like in the quarantine, there was one, I had vacation for 20 days. I recorded like 25 podcasts in those 20 days. I didn't start recording again until like two weeks ago. So I was totally out of it. And I was like, I don't want to record anymore. Like this sucks. <laughs> you know, it's I like know, I, I finally yeah. broke that routine and I was completely not wanting to get back into it. So it's important to stick to that routine and make something uh, and just kind of have that routine that you can do over and over and over again without getting bored or tired or burnt out. Yeah, man, that I, I couldn't agree with you more. And like, I, I live and die by my schedule, honestly. Like, it's the only thing that keeps me sane, you know, um, all through the initial quarantine. I mean, I was like, it was like just keeping regular work hours, getting up at 630 every morning, going for a run and exercising, just, you know, and then the weekend is the weekend. You can shut down work and pull out the guitar and like that type of rhythm and ritual is I mean, if I didn't have that in my life, <laughs> I'd go pretty far off the road. Talking about quarantine, what was uh, what was quarantine like for you? I mean, obviously you have you have a job, you're a CFI, you're also running Learn the Finer Points. You also have a family, you have kids. I mean, there is a lot going on, a lot to manage, a lot to figure out. Kind of walk us through the process of the beginning of like, holy crap, like this is crazy and scary to finally figure out like, all right, we got to find a way to live through this and kind of like be sane through this almost. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, first of all, I'm very fortunate in the sense that, like, I, I've just been at this a really long time, and I started the finer points in 2005. So, um, I, I, you know, as a career instructor, it's not like the only income I had was teaching students. I mean, I had other things sort of, you know, set up and in play, and this online business side of what I do has been there for a long time. So, I'm I'm really lucky in the sense that that was there to uh, to have. Um, and then <clears throat> also lucky that my in-laws are in Palm Springs. And so when, when all this went down back in March, we just decided to go down to Palm Springs and quarantine with them. Um, and so it was just really logical for me to like, now I have help with the kids and my, my mother-in-law is there and, and it's just a lot, you know, 
a lot easier. I could focus entirely on work, almost 100%. And um, I just started going live on Instagram. Actually, I tried a few things. <laughs> I tried going live on Instagram and live on YouTube. Um, YouTube was a bit of a fall on my face kind of thing. Like I did a couple live sessions, but I'm still trying to figure that out. And Instagram, on the other hand, man, that was just easy. Hold up your phone. You talk to your phone and people can, can talk to you. You know, I mean, it's just, there's no barrier to production. So I just started going live every day, right? You know, you were on a couple of times and, <clears throat> and it was interesting. It was like, what I think it's a tough one for me because what I realized from a, business perspective is I should probably be flying a lot less and spending a lot more time doing stuff like that online. Um, but the catch-22 is I'm really passionate about teaching and I'm really interested in producing t- teaching tools, training tools that are relevant and effective and not just theoretical, but actually show up different in the student's life because they're made by CFIs that are actually working, <laughs> you know, like it's a whole, whole different angle on it. And I, and I feel like if I'm not flying regularly, then I lose that, that razor's edge. Um, so it's always been a tricky balance. Well, yeah, you, you and, kind of lose that, that connection that you have with your listeners and your followers and the people that watch you. I was talking to Christina, my wife, and I was like, she was like, would you ever think you'd quit flying one day? Like a pilot, the pilot became what it was. And I was like, I mean, maybe like flying professionally. I was like, maybe like, I mean, it'd be nice to kind of be home and just live that life. But then she's like, well, how will you be relatable? You know, if you're not out there flying all the time, you can't be relatable. Like people like the story about like struggling, having working eight days in a row, you know, they like seeing the grind. They like being able to relate to people or see a goal that they can go after and reach. And same thing with you, like flying all the time. Like people can relate to that. Like, man, I would love for her to be my CFI or man, I would love to fly a 172 right now, you know? Yeah, totally. 100%. And, and also the inspiration. I mean, I, I, so like that, what your wife said is 100% true. And, um, and I've never been in doubt about that. It's just a tricky balance when you're trying to like, you know, because look, I mean, the whole thing about the finer points, I mean, literally the light bulb that went off in 2005, and this is going to sound ridiculous to you maybe, but you have to understand in 2005, there were like podcasts were brand new, right? So this idea that you could record this stuff and all of a sudden distribute it to the entire world without having a digital rights management company and all this other stuff. You know, like, like sometimes people complain about Apple. I hear that now a lot. Like, oh, Apple takes 30% of your revenue. And it's like, do you have any idea what they set up for you? <laughs> like, do you have any idea how hard that was to have a store and digital rights management and no one could copy your stuff and distribute it and all that sort of stuff? It was cost prohibitive. Like, you wouldn't believe. Hundreds of thousands of dollars people were quoting at the time. Anyway, podcast hit. And I just have this, like, realization that this is the way to, like, reach more and more and more people, obviously. Right, like there's, there's, I'll be able to affect more pilots if I start the Finer Points podcast than I would if I trained four students a day for the rest of my life, you know. And, um, and so it's still that's still what's true. Like even now, you know, everything's grown and Instagram, and we've got the YouTube channel and all this stuff. That's super exciting, you know. When I see that 120,000 people have seen one of my YouTube videos, um, but it's still that same balance your wife's talking about. Like you can't. You can't just focus on that all the time. Otherwise, you don't know what you're doing. You don't, you're not relatable. And in my case, you just don't have that teaching edge. I mean, I come out of every single lesson with critical thoughts about how I could get better and how my student could get better and how other people could benefit from what we both just learned. You know, and yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's just a, it's just a delicate balance. I, I compare it a little bit 
to being like an attorney or a doctor or something. It's like sometimes you have to go into surgery or sometimes you have to go into court. You know what I mean? And that, that can't be your whole business. You also have to have an office and, you know, see clients and do research and stuff. But flying is, is my life's a little bit similar. Flying's your surgery. You got to fix someone's uh, bad habits of flying. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and it's painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For them or for you? <laughs> both. Then, so, All yeah, parties so involved. That's the idea. <laughs> Right. Um, I, I, guess, yeah. I didn't ask you this last time, but I guess this is kind of an interesting question. People want to create. Like, I mean, I feel like anyone listening, anyone out there, especially now, because it's like you just said, it's so easy to create. YouTube's made it easy. Instagram's made it easy. Apple's made it easy. Um, you have started from the beginning. What's been the biggest hurdle? Uh, is it just actually starting to create it? Like people have these ideas, but they're just afraid what people will think. They don't actually do it. Uh, what I guess the main thing is what's been the biggest hurdle for you in creating and sustaining the finer points? Wow, man. This is why you make the big bucks. You ask all the good questions. <laughs> I wish I made those big bucks. <laughs> um, well, I think there's like a four to five year burnout. Like when I look at, um, like the, being early is the story of my life. Like if I have one lesson to learn, I mean, here I am, I'm 47 years old now. I just turned 47. Um, if I look at, at my life, like the, it's like, you know, I had a band in the, in the 20s and like just as the band was about to sign a record deal, I was like, I'm over this. I want to go fly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. it was like, right. It was like this. And so I started the podcast in 2005, but by 2009, I was burned out, man. I started my YouTube channel in 2007. So I think like this is, and I, and, and, and I, you know, and I, I, there are ways to get through it. I'm not saying I'm burned out now. I'm totally passionate and in love with what I'm doing. But I think every creator is going to hit that four to five year wall. And it's like a runner's wall. It's a real wall. And, and you're going to want to stop like the runner wants to stop. But you have to like push through that wall. And I think, and then all of a sudden you get in your pace and it feels like, you, you know, I could run forever, right? And, um, and so I think that that's, that's real. So that's like, you know, one thing I hit that in like 2009, 2010. And, um, ironically, that's right when YouTube blew up. Right. And then it took me a year or so to kind of, you know, my, my child was, my first daughter was born in 2010. So <clears throat> after she was born, it took me just a year or so to kind of break through that wall and find my pace again. But that's been a huge challenge. And then I think the overarching thing that you said, that's, been the challenge to sustain the finer points but that thing that you said like what is the hardest part about it i think for me is um, trying to get like just trying to be more and more honest as a creator like i was telling you this morning i was listening to a podcast where this guy's walking around with you know basically his iphone and talking on a wired headset and i'm looking at his face sometimes i'm looking at the sky sometimes but he's speaking truth and I'm enjoying it. And there's 250,000 other people that are enjoying it. And that kind of honesty, you know, seeing yourself more and more and more. And uh, also, you know, just, yeah, really, that, that's a tough part of creating, I think. And uh, it's also what makes the goal. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a balance, right? Like, I mean, you have to be honest and you have to build a community that believes you and trusts you. As soon as you lose that trust with your community, it's done. Like the chances of you getting that back, there's so many other podcasts or so many other YouTube channels or so many other CFIs, whatever it may be that is creating that they can gain that trust so quick. And they'll be like, oh, well, learn the finer points has changed or Justin's not as interesting as he used to, or he sold out for this, you know? So you really have to find that balance. And it is tough. It's really hard because, I mean, I don't, it's just tough. It really is. It can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
you know, to your point, too, like a, I find that, you know, we all make mistakes, right? And so this is, I think, a couple times this year I've made some pretty serious mistakes in content or things that I think are serious, like, you know, getting nice requirements wrong or saying the wrong thing, right? Here and there. Um, it's super important for me to go, like, correct that information. And it just drives me crazy when I come across channels. I, I sometimes come across videos on YouTube where I, I just want to say, please take this down correct it. <laughs> there are many videos I've seen on YouTube. It's like, oh no. <laughs> right. You know, so I think that trust, like you said, is important and it's not even about being right all the time. It's more about people knowing that you're going to do your best to give them, bring them the truth. And if you're wrong, you'll stand up and say, hey, I was wrong. Yeah, I think this is, so far this has gone a different way and I thought this was going to go and we'll bring it back to where it needs to go eventually. But there's one more point. For creating, it's like, the comparison factor I think is, is huge as well. So like, I mean, for you in the YouTube stage, like I'm going to get into YouTube eventually, but you like, I'm constantly comparing myself to, to people that are further along in this process or are making money or who are bigger and getting invited to do this or work with these companies. And I like take it personally that I'm not on that level because I believe in myself and I think truly think that I make good content and like, I, I should be at that level, you know, but it's just, I, if I can give any advice to anyone is don't worry about what other people are doing. Focus on yourself. Keep your head down. Things come eventually. Like if you put out the work that's out there, people will notice you and want to work with you. Yeah, for sure. 100%. And, uh, <clears throat> and don't be too hard on yourself either because from where I'm sitting, you made a pretty big splash in the pool. You know? Like there's a lot of new podcasts that hit all the time, but, but you know, pilot, pilot stands out. I appreciate it, man. I needed to hear that. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> high five, bro. Yeah, high five, man. Oh, it's so cool. Right? Yeah. But um, getting getting uh, getting back to, to kind of you in quarantine, you killed it with those live streams. Like, it was so cool to see you doing that every day. Like, obviously, it's probably not something that's sustainable to keep doing every single day, every weekday. But uh, I know I enjoyed it. And you were getting some pretty good numbers there, too. Yeah, yeah. The numbers were great. The visibility was great. The feedback was great. Um, it kept me sane, honestly, to, to wake up every morning and know that at nine o'clock I had to like be done with my workout, you know, like ready to talk to the world. Um, so that, yeah, that was super fun. And I honestly considered for a while whether or not that would be sustainable. I mean, I, I think I was having a conversation well, with somebody and, and I said, I can't do this forever. And they said, you can't. <laughs> and I thought, well, I don't know. Can I let's see 365 shows a year? You know, and it's just like, I don't know. And that's a tough one. Um, but it's not, you know, like the entire archives from all that we still have. Those are all up on Patreon. And um, and I think right now the way I'm thinking about it is just sort of kind of laser strikes. You know, like we're coming back uh, for the back to school coming up in September. What are we, August 15th now? So this September, we're going to do another two weeks of live and uh, kind of see how it goes. But uh, yeah, every day, man, for the rest of time would be a big commitment. And you kind of get stale after a while, you know, you got to give it to them and take it away and make them want it to come back. (laughs) So you can't do it for 365 days. Yeah, that's what the guys on my team, like I've got um, four other CFIs, so there's five of us that are working together on on our flight training app up down school. And those guys are awesome because, you know, they keep me really honest and they keep me in check and um, we're all active like working CFI so there's great confidence. That's kind of what they said was like I said, How long should I do this? And their answer is basically like as long as you feel like you can do it. <laughs> as long as it's exciting to you, you know. Until and, you learn uh, American Pie. End, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. 
I, um, so I, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I did it, you know, like it, it'll be back. And I think as long as I'm excited about it, there was like, there's a great Nietzsche quote. I can't think of it now, but it essentially boils down to like, it's good to know when it's time to die. <laughs> like, or basically, you know what I mean? Like, don't, like, if you're not feeling it, stop doing it. And as soon as I am feeling it, I'll start doing it again. And that's, again, that's the beauty of Instagram. Like, there's no rules. I could grab my phone right after we hang up and go live. Right. For as long as you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I can go fishing with you guys. Whatever. I know, right? New content by Learn the Finer Points. Fishing with Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you don't You don't want to see that. I'm a horrible fisherman. Yeah, that might be even better. You never know. <laughs> So you mentioned a, a couple of times already, you mentioned talking about this app that you've been working on. Um, I'm intrigued by it. I have used, so when, in my training, I've always tried to use kind of external or outside sources to learn as much as I possibly could. So that was YouTube. I'd watch your videos. I'd watch other CFI videos when I was in my training. Like if I didn't understand a hold, I'd watch a video to try to understand a hold better. Um, I've also looked out at sporties. I've looked at other like John and Martha King and all those kind of people that have created all these sources for people. Um, what is your kind of, I guess, when did you get the idea to create an app? Cause that's a lot like, I mean, going from social media, YouTube, and then actually creating like a product, like an app, like that's a big kind of step to do, especially since like, I mean, I don't know how much you're making, but we're not like sporty size. We're not John and Martha King, you know, we're kind of still like in the, the newer social media, new content world. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, we're, we're definitely still bootstrapping it. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, look at me, man. I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's a vision uh, I've had for a really long time. And not so much that it was an app, but that it would be an integrated flight training tool. Like, I could probably, well, I know I could. I could go find a journal right now from 2005 and show you a sketch of the app where we just released in March. Right, so what is that? <laughs> 15, 15 years of envisioning how this would all come together. Um, but I just think, like, as much as there's, like, you know, that flying is a funny thing. It's like, um, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I feel like we're operating in this kind of, like, discounted economy. Like, the whole flight training environment feels like a key mark to me, where everything is about how cheap can you get it, how fast can you get through it, and you use it and you throw it away, you know? And, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people don't remember the bicycle industry, like, in the 1980s. But that's, like, when I was a kid, that's how bikes were. There was no such thing as track or specialized or chantail or any awesome $5,000 bike. The bike was a $150 piece of steel that you could barely lift off the ground. You had a banana seat, and that's the way they were, you know? And um, and you'd want one as cheap as you could get it. And, and so, you know, I used to talk about that. One of my first students was the founder of Timbuktu, the bike messenger bag company. Oh, no way. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it was so cool to, to get to know Rob really well. And um, Rob and I have been, we're still friends, you know, we've been talking about this vision literally for, for the last 15 years. And that's where that bike, you know, analogy comes from, that he saw. And, uh, you know, so really trying to figure out how to create something better, how to create something specialized, how to bring an experience to it that no one even sees on that is so far superior from what we're already doing. It's just a, really a, kind of like a different world. I want to make the iPhone <laughs> of like flight training tools. And a lot of it is about integrating all of it. Like right now, there's the oral book. You want to pass the oral, you go by the ASA oral book. Um, written test, eh, pick your poison. King school, sporties, whatever. They're all basically the same. Right? That's what people tell you. Let me, let me know when you pass the thing. 
But if there was like kind of an integrated tool, something that was sort of machine learning the student at the same time the student was going through training and sort of showing the student and the CFI where the strong points are, where the weak points are, um, what your like what your picture really looks like as a pilot, like your like sort of proficiency and skill level, your knowledge really look like. Um, that's sort of the starting point is just how to how to integrate all that stuff together. Um, and you know, along the way, uh, here comes the iOS environment, the iPad, you've got ForeFlight. Um, in fact, ForeFlight did something really similar, right? Integrated everything into one app for one price. And that was the beauty of ForeFlight, right? 70, I think when they hit it, it was 74 bucks. And you get, wait, you get IFR charts and VFR charts and you get the whole country, no way, and the, and the chart supplement, right? Like, you get all that in one app. Like, holy cow, Bill, have you seen this? You know, so, like, if you look at what we've been able to build so far, it's, it's really the knowledge side of it, right? Like, the written test prep. But even even that, like, you know, there's, there's there are ways that we feel uh, what we've got there is, is leaps and bounds better than, than what um, what other people have. Like like just for example, uh, spaced repetition for memory, so that as you go through the app and complete knowledge, right? Uh, just like in flying, your your proficiency decays like over ninety days. If you go back to the app, you're going to be prompted to take quizzes on the content you completed ninety days, right? And these are going to be new questions just to kind of refresh your knowledge. Like, hey, remember those cloud clearance requirements you learned 90 days ago? Let's do a short quiz on that just so you sort of really fit. You know? um, and, and while you're doing that, the app is kind of learning you because these CFIs that are passionately working on this with me, we literally go through every single question and tag it in ways that we feel is relevant. And that's a really important thing. Right? So you've got five active instructors tagging questions like this is something you're going to get in an oral this is something you're going to get in a written this knowledge over here you're not going to see until this time right and we're tagging all the knowledge so that each time you do those evaluations the app is sort of learning you saying well you're going to do okay on your oral but you know you're going to do okay in your written but you're a little weak on your oral stuff let's review that you know What's that based off of? Like, how do you say someone, how does a machine say you're weak? Like, what are you comparing it to? Are you comparing it to you as a CFI where you think the pilot should be at this time in their training? Or is it kind of like a, a formula that's created like, well, 75% of pilots know this by this time? Um, a lot of that, a lot of that is, is subjective and it's based on the discussions that we have. You know, we meet every Monday morning and we go through these questions and we sort of like work on the content. Um, we we find references to by the way that's maybe a minor thing but just every single answer explanation has a page number reference that all the updates you don't believe us you can look it up and you will see where we got it um, but a lot of it this is kind of hard to pin down but as an instructor who's been doing this for twenty years I can just tell you there are certain things you're going to be at, like certain material I would present to you in a briefing that I would never tell you in your There are certain things you're going to be quizzed on in the written test that will never come up in an oral and vice versa. Um, and how do we know that? Uh, just because we all talk about it. We all say, this is, we all agree, right? <laughs> this is something that no one would ever get in a written. And so we'll tag that question oral, tag that question written. Um, and, and in that way, we can sort of like, say, you know, we can kind of segment where you're, Strong and where you're weak. Um, and then the, after that, the app just started keeping track of how many you got right. 
And then also, you know, like where we're kind of headed with this and all the filming that I'm doing, uh, we've created different evaluation types in the app. So it's not just multiple choice. Um, and funny enough, the FAA, I think it was four months ago or three months ago, re- silently released some documentation saying that they are taking the, the knowledge test in this direction. So the direction that we've been running with it, like away from multiple choice, uh, that's the direction that the, the knowledge test is ultimately going. And the FAA, you know, just announced that. I think it was in March. And so, like, some of the evaluations, for example, like, in our app, you'll see a picture of a taxi diagram. And then you press play, and you hear a communication, like a taxi clearance. And you're supposed to tap the screen where you were instructed to taxi. Right? So we call that, like, a tap target evaluation. Like, touch the screen where you were, where you were meant to go. Um, there's also drag and match, like, Here's the lift equation. Can you reorganize it in the proper order? You know, put the L on the left and, you know, and then like sort of drag all these little tokens around. Um, so as we go forward with all this filming, we're able to, those site pictures I was talking about, we're able to really burn correct site pictures into students' minds and eyes and ask them to literally touch the screen where they should be looking and when they should be looking there. And in those types of evaluations, we can record how long it took you to see it. So if someone's Johnny on the spot and they tap like the Lindbergh reference right as the stall starts to break, I know they got it. If it takes them a minute to find it, then we know that they need to work on that. And I know it doesn't seem like you can teach flying skills using videos, but I believe that for every problem in an airplane, there's a solution called where you look and when you look there. And if we can get people looking in the right spot, even on a device like an iPad, um, I do believe it's each one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, think about even flight simulator. Like, yeah, you're flying a simulator, but you can learn flows on a simulator. You can learn kind of what to expect, what the sight picture looks like. The sight picture is sometimes the most foreign thing at all. When I first did spins, like I wasn't scared by any means. I mean, some people would say, no, I wasn't scared. But like the sight picture was just so foreign to me that I didn't know what to do. So it's like the the instructor is walking me through it all. And then once you do it over and over again, you're like, oh, all right, that's not too bad. Like I understand it now. I understand the plane's still going to fly. Like the plane's meant to get out of it. Everything's going to be all right. But if you get that sight picture of what it looks like before you stall, what it looks like What's what to expect? What uh, kind of those triggers are and those warning signs that are coming and outside of the stall horn? And you can do that very well through an app. Like if you know where to look, like you said, if you're looking in the right place, the plane's going to tell you exactly what it's going to do and what's coming next. Yeah, for sure, right? Like in this picture, like you're out on approach in your jet, right, and you're talking through it with someone. You say, "Hey, do you see that thing on the runway? Like the fourth runway stripe?" Like in this case, you could literally just touch it. Say, like you know, tap the screen. Like let's make sure we're looking in the right spot. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge? Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, what's been the biggest challenge in kind of creating this? Because you said you had this in 2005. Pretty much when you were, you wanted to do a podcast, you were like, (laughs) oh, I'm going to design this dope app one day. Now, granted, you know, it's going to be an app, but this integrated learning where you can get everything. What's been the biggest like holdup? Like, I mean, why, why does it take so long till 2020 to actually get this going? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, for the first 10 years, it was because I was working with, you know, four students a day just to, <laughs> just to pay the bills, right? Um, and also learning, learning the art. Um, but I think, you know, um, bootstrapping is, is really part of it, you know, is that there's, it's kind of a discounted economy, like I was saying. So, like, when I first started doing this, I tried to, like, inspire some investors and, like, raise money around it. But flight training is a funny thing. There's a reason it's a little 
it's like a discounted marketplace because tiny little, I mean, to, to the investors, the tiny little corner of the room that's just not big enough for them to care about. You know what I mean? Like, like at least the investors that I was talking to, like these are guys that were trying to put money into like Facebook, Twitter, and whatever. And say, hey, yeah, there's this little $20 million market over here that you could actually, like, you know, get involved in. Ah, whatever. <laughs> and being in the Bay Area right. is probably a terrible place to ask investors. Like, uh, we're looking for the next Instagram. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe I would have had more luck if I was in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I know, right? But, mistake. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, that was a big part of it. And then the technology catching up. Like, so back in, like I was saying, in 2005, six and seven, when I was even just trying to make videos to distribute online. Uh, digital rights management was a huge thing, like DRM, right? And, and if you, you wouldn't put a video up there if you did without DRM on it. People would just Napster, you just rip it down, put it up on a different website, and that would be it, you know? Um, but DRM was a couple hundred thousand dollars, hoity-toity attitude about it, all this kind of stuff. It was just hard until the iPad hit. Um, and then Apple provided this environment. I mean, this easy development environment, relatively easy development environment, a store out of the box with digital rights management included. It's really hard to rip data off of an iPad app or an iPhone app. Uh, so they're going to advertise it for you. They're going to put you in this marketplace. I mean, they just handled everything. Um, so, you know, we started going down that path. And um, I thought for a while about doing the web. I thought, you know, <laughs> this is my commitment to quality, honestly, because I thought we could do this on the web and initially it'll be available to a lot more people. Uh, but we couldn't get that experience, that tap target experience. We couldn't really get the same type of drag and match like engagements. All those engagements I talked about were just better suited to the iPad. Um, and eventually we will get to get to the web, but we picked our battle early. We said, let's just make a really awesome iPad app. Know there's going to be people that say, "Hey, I don't have an iPad," or "When can you get this on the web?" or, you know, "Do you have a phone version?" or whatever. And because we have no resources, we're just going to have to focus on making this awesome iPad app before we expand to anything else. Um, and I think once we found that focus, you know, basically everything I just told you is what. <laughs> what do you? <laughs> once we found that focus, yeah. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Wait till you get the people like, "What about Android? Come on, man! What the heck?" Yeah. Well, I mean. I mean yeah, I mean, the good news is we're already having conversations about that um, oh, long-term because it's going to take a while to set up. Um, but yeah, ultimately, this isn't foreplight. So ultimately, what we're creating will be available pretty much everywhere. You know, the web, the Android, iPad, iPhone, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the best tech advice I've gotten for resource-limited groups like us, um, the focus, focus hard, great, small public. Here's a question for you. What? So you mentioned that the the whole flight school environment, the training environment, like you said, is a discount environment. How do you kind of get that out of their mind? How do you explain to them why this is worth it? How do you kind of uh, stray away from that and kind of start the new track where if you invest in something that might be more pricier than maybe someone was willing to spend or is a little bit different than say like $100 here, but like this is for training for life. How do you get them out of that mindset and being willing to spend money? Because you are right. Aviation, they're trying to save as much money as possible. It's like, well, this person's passed down this jet book for the past 10 years. So I would buy a new jet book. You know, it's like, what, how do you get them out of that mindset? Yeah, it's tough. I, and, I, and I don't know if I have the magic bullet there, but I'm, I'm guessing it's experiential. Like, and, and, you know, like, like if you think about the bikes that they're selling now, like, 
let me back to that analogy. If I would have gone to the CEO of Schwinn back then and, and said, I'm going to charge $7,000 for a bike, he would have laughed me out of his office, right? But he'd never ridden, he's never ridden that $7,000 track or whatever they have now, right? And you see some of these bikes, like my, my wife's cousin, you know, he's like a super badass mountain biker out in Utah or whatever. I, I don't even recognize the thing he's riding. It's like all suspension. <laughs> it's like the whole thing's got shocks and it's like his pedals clip in and the brakes are disc brakes, like disc brakes. It's more comfortable you know, and, than our cars. Yeah. So I think like until you ride a bike like that, you are going to laugh people out of your office. You're going to say $7,000 for a bike. You're out of your mind. I got one right here for 125 bucks, you know? So it's experiential. It has to be. And I think that um, so many business advisors and maybe, maybe I'll, you know, live to regret this decision. But so many business advisors have said to me that what we're building should really be 15 different products. And I refuse to do it. Like, I refuse to do it because I believe that at the end of the day, when we're done with this, the experience of an integrated flight training app that actually shows you how good you are, where you're good, and, and all of it in one, like, like ForeFlight is all in one, I believe the experience of that is going to be so superior primarily for the instructors, but for everybody involved, that it will just be obvious. And I don't know that we have to, I don't think $7,000 analogy is accurate. I don't think we have to charge 50 times what's currently out there. Um, like Four Flight, for example, was both things. It was a, it was a money saver and an integrator. Like I, like I used to work their booth way back in the day at Oshkosh, like 2009, those years. And I remember standing there multiple times, so many times they came and say, I'm standing there at, at their booth trying to explain to some old guy what it is. And I was like, well, I'm like, you buy, I'm like, you buy this iPad. I'm like, you go to Apple and you buy this iPad. The iPad's about whatever it was, 400 bucks. And I'm like, and then for $75 a year, you get everything, like everything. And I start walking through the app. I'm like, look, you get California, you get Nevada, you get New York, all. And he goes, all those VFR charts. And I say, not just the VFR charts, buddy, the IFR charts. The AF, and right when I started doing that, they would go, hey, hey, Bob, come over here for a minute. You got to. <laughs> You guys hey, Jim. A serious thing. Yeah. Jim, come look, look at that this. IPad. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't believe it. Like, we're saving people money. You know, people don't remember when you had paper, it was $8 for a sectional, $4.25 for the AFD, which is now the chart supplement. And that's one sectional. So if you were going to fly from, you know, California to Florida and you really needed to buy IFR and VFR charts, you were spending like $400 on a trip package from Jefferson. They would mail you all the charts you needed for 400 bucks. Like four flights, seventy five dollars. Yeah, I mean they were able to do both things, like provide an amazing experience, integrate everything, and also deliver it at a price that was like that made sense. Well, when you say the price, I remember I interviewed Tyson. I might be wrong in this, but I'm almost positive that he told me they were the most expensive app in the app store at one point. They were. I mean, he he actually uh, called me the night before they released. I remember like we, you know, we were good friends at the time and he's kind of like freaking out we're still friends it's not like anything happened but um he's just so busy he's so busy i don't see him anymore but he calls me and he's like i think we made a huge mistake like and i was like what, what's the mistake like, well we're we're just in like we're by far the most expensive app i think the next lowest price is like 9.99 that's crazy right but the next day what happened to them was some reporter, because they were they were so early. I mean, those guys are so smart. They were literally hanging their four flight little foamy logo 
was hanging in the window of the Apple store in San Francisco the day the iPhone came out, right? They were in that first wave. So there was like 25 apps that had these, they, Apple made these like foamy logo things and they hung them up in the window and Force Flight was one of those. Um, so luckily for them, the next day, some major magazine, I can't remember who it was, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, somebody like that, they went in and they just arbitrarily chose to review the most expensive and the least expensive app. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So Force Flight just got this crazy press. It was a good product. They were early and yeah, and talking about Fortflight, I used to work at the Apple Store. I used to be retail, and the amount of pilots that I would sell a cellular iPad to was just crazy. How many people just bought the iPad just for Fortflight? It was insane. I know, dude. I saw that on the other side of the table. I mean, over at Oshkosh, literally, it was. I think. I mean, you know, we were there selling iPads because I was like, "Look, all you have to do is go buy this device, and you can have this thing." <laughs> but you so need this model with it. this one. This is the price. Buy that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So right now, the experience, uh, I, I guess I get, the, I get the big picture, the grand experience of what you want it to be, an integrated app that just learns about you and kind of uh, is very, very interactive and kind of changes the way that people, people learn and people think and people get tested in a way. And I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be a great idea. And I think it will catch on. Uh, I, like you said, we need more people or you need more people to download it and uh, to play with it. But kind of what's, so the next step right now is you going into these videos on the site pictures. What's going to be after that? Are you going to have like separate, like private pilot instrument, commercial ATP is the goal to get into like universities and have these universities be able to have a way to track how they're doing, get in like 141 schools, like kind of, I guess what's your next goal and what's like your grand scheme goal of everything. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Grand scheme goal. I'm not entirely sure, but the next goal in the app is the oral side, right? So, um, yeah, we definitely, there's, there's sort of a couple, I, I, to answer your question, there will be the commercial, the instrument, the mountain course. I really hope this is my legacy in a way I want, like after I'm dead and gone, dude, if someone says, what the heck was it like to fly with Jason Miller? I hope you can go get this app and feel like I was your CFI. <laughs> that's so cool. That's, that's, that's kind of creepy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> this dead guy is my CFI. Yeah, right. He's been dead for a hundred <laughs> years, but he's the best one ever. Well, but I mean, can you imagine if Bill Kirshner had something like that, right? Like if I could go ride in a 152 and spins with Bill Kirshner, I, I just, I, that's something I missed in my life, right? Like he was just going out when I was coming in, but that would have been a lesson I would have loved to take. And if he had an app where I could like fly with him. Um, so that, I think, you know, just perfecting the private version is first. I want to like show people what we can do. I want to show people what the ultimate vision is. And then once we've got that, um, moving on to the other stuff that I, I can't wait to do the instrument course. I can't wait to do a mountain course. I can't wait to do a survival course. And yes, it will all be in one app. What's the price so, of the app as of now? Um, right now it's $300 a year. And, um, yeah. And so it would, you know, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it won't change much from that. It might go up a little bit when we get all the videos and the oral and stuff in there. Um, but people have to understand we're sacrificing a lot by doing it all in one app. Oh, you know, the same person would buy a $300 written program, a $300 oral program, a $300 flight program. You could get X amount of money out of people. And it's like, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to see how much I can get out of people. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to make a product that I know will make them better pilots, will make them safer pilots, and will help their instructors. And then put it at a price that works for everybody. 
that works for us on the create and we have to build it side and works for people on the, I think I'll buy that side. So is the, the competition or the market that you're breaking into is say like other companies sell everything separately. So like you can buy a hundred dollars sporties course, you can buy shepherd air for another $80. You can buy this for that set amount and you can buy all these books and you're going to be spending like what, $500, maybe $600 at the end of the day. But instead of doing that, you can just eventually, or right now buy this one app and then it's going to have everything, pretty much everything you could ever need. Yeah. Sort of like that, right? And I think people are spending a lot more than five or six hundred dollars right now. Honestly, like I think, you know, if you look at a lot of people are out there selling Brown tools for three, four hundred bucks. That's just for the private. In fact, that's just for the private rent. So you go for the instrument rent, it's another four hundred bucks. You go to the commercial rent, it's another. You know, holy cow! Before I know it, I spent twelve hundred dollars or something. And I think, you know, I always picture that a lot of, you know, guys in back rooms kind of laughing under their breath about that. Sort of like that's that whole discounted economy when, you know, the bunch of the little skew numbers on the shelves. And instead we could integrate something like Forflight did and people would actually save money like they were with Forflight. Um, and we can provide a much more valuable picture to them about who they are as pilots and how trained they want. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, 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 you're probably right. They probably do spend more than five, $600. I haven't been in the training environment since 2010, so it's definitely changed and what people would buy. And I do remember, so when I started flying, it was before, ForeFlight was still there, but ForeFlight wasn't, I didn't use ForeFlight for my private. So I had to buy the AFD. I had to print out, I had to go to the copy machine and copy the pages and get my charts out. And it's like, and then my instrument came out and my flight instructor was like, hey, take ForeFlight, take my iPad, just try it. And I was like, I will never fly without ForeFlight ever again in my life. And right now the company I fly at now, we use Jet. Well, I will say, I mean, maybe if Garmin, I've never tried Garmin Pilot, so I can't fully say I'd never fly without ForeFlight, but something like ForeFlight. But we use JEP, and JEP's just not the same. Like, it's not too, it's not as intuitive. It's not as easy. Like, I've learned the ForeFlight way, so it's going to be harder for me to break out of that, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of the yeah, same thing with you. You, If you can get everything, it's like, all right, well, I don't have to do this to get my chart. I don't have to do this for my written. I can just have it all in one place. The interactive works. It is something that I'm used to and I like, and it's coming from someone I respect. I definitely think that it's a, it's, it's a good way to go about it. I think it could be a hit for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I'm going to, um, I don't even know, were you able to see it? Cause I, I don't know if we, we got you a code, but if we I haven't, seen it I want to make sure that, wow. All right. Okay. We got to get you a code. And, um, I also would love to give, give something for you, for your listeners. We Let's can do, do like a giveaway or something, but I'm happy to give a year subscription to somebody that you deem worthy <laughs> in your audience. Absolutely. Um, I so mean, I, we can talk about that. I love giveaways. Giveaways are the best. So I'm always down to do a giveaway. That'd be sweet. Sweet. All right. And um, yeah, and you know, I guess what, just in listening to you talk to the last thing I would say about the app is I think it's like experience really matters. And I think that's like when you go, to get into training, um, you don't always get the most experienced instructor. And I loved my first instructor, Lisa. She was awesome. We had a great relationship. We had a lot of fun flying together. She was 23. I was 25. She was on her way to United. I mean, I liked her a lot, but she didn't know a whole lot, really. And I didn't know that. I mean, it was fine. She taught me how to fly safely. I was engaged. I was a good student. And no, no, you know, no harm, no foul to Lisa. But I get out to California and I meet a dude like Richard who became like my mentor. And it's just night and day. I mean, it's just, he's been doing this for 40 years. He, you know, all like so many tricks up his sleeve that she just never really had the time to learn, you know? 
And I feel like now, after doing this for 20 years, I've got so many of those little things that I feel like we can give to pilots through the app. Little tips here and there, little places to look, little secrets and stuff like that. So that, that part's really exciting. That's cool. And like you said, it's building an experience. Like if you can build the experience, like say what Apple has, what ForeFlight's built, what other big companies have built, or say like people with Sporties. People are like, well, you buy it through Sporties because you've always bought through Sporties because they created that experience in the beginning. So if you can create that experience, you can get them to come in and to keep wanting to come in and kind of create the the Apple integration. And just if you can do that, then you're going to sell millions of them and you're going to be the number one person in the world. Everyone's going to take their picture with Jason Miller. You know, it's going to be really cool <laughs> and awesome. And in a hundred years, you'll be teaching my great grandkid how to fly <laughs> via yeah, hologram you know in what, a cockpit. Honestly, right. And after all of that, like the most, the thing that would give me the most joy i think and it's not about being famous or making millions although that would be awesome because i have a list of airplanes i'd love to buy same i'll take but, one too um, just if you get really big you know i'll take one or two it's all good <laughs> yeah man if it works out like the way you just said it's done right, all right but right. uh you know but the main thing is i would love someday to have a student who's never been in an airplane just an enthusiast somebody like me who couldn't stopped reading flying magazine and was on tour with my band reading the airplane flying handbook <laughs> you know like like someone who just couldn't get enough of it to use our app and then walk in on their first lesson and have the instructor just look at them and say holy cow what have you been doing that would make me happy i love it i think it's the perfect way to kind of end it too because i was just about to ask you if you could sell it to one person if you could give your pitch and that's kind of like the, what i like to hear so Jason, yeah, is there anything else you want to add about the app or anything else in your life or what's going on? Or you think we encompassed it all? I, I don't know. I mean, it was fun talking to you. I know that. Yeah, I know, right? Well, <laughs> before we talked, we're like, yeah, it'll probably be 30, 40 minutes. And now it's like coming up on an hour. <laughs> wow. It yeah, always happens. But Jason, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you wanting to change something. Like I appreciate you seeing a need in the market and wanting to go after it and not waiting for someone else to create it, like waiting for someone else like Sporties or someone else that may, or John and Martha King, you know, you're like, Hey, there's this need in this market and I can go do it. I can build it. And I, I'm really excited to see where this goes for you. I'd love to work with you and do a giveaway. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, we can kind of talk more about that in the next couple of days or after this. And, but I'm really excited for you, man. Like I always, I'll, there's two people I always support you and Chris Palmer. Blindly, I would support you guys. You're like, hey, I want to do this like done. <laughs> so right, I, I'm really awesome. excited for you and I can't wait to see where this is going. I can't wait to get my hands on it and play with it and uh, just help out in any way I can. So thank you so much for uh, for coming on, talking about it for a little bit and kind of talking about what's going on in your life and how quarantine was for you. And uh, I wish you the best, man. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate that. And it's an honor to be here. And um, I, I really appreciate you helping get the word out. And uh, you're doing a great job, man. So thank appreciate you. it, man. Anytime, anytime. Well, Jason, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. We're going to have to make you a current guest more often. We have to get you on more than once every two years. So we'll make that work for sure. All right. All right. I'm in. All right, I'm man. In. We can debrief a little bit after, but uh, thanks for coming on. All right. You bet. Thanks, right. Justin. See ya. Aviation Nation, that's a wrap of episode 133 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. As I said earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, go to our website, pilotthepilothq.com, where you can find all the links to Instagram, our website shop, our Patreon, whatever it may be you want to do, support or just share it with your friends. It's all there. Don't forget about the giveaway. All you have to do is go to learnthefinerpoints.com, fill out the survey. You have the chance to win Ground School app, Four Flight Pro, and Four Flight Century. You can also download the Ground 
Sound School app and to get a free three-day trial and see if you like it. So definitely go download it. Give it a shot. Give them some feedback. Fill out the survey and enter to win those awesome prizes. Aviation, hope you guys are having a great day. And as always, happy flying.